Hello, everyone. My name is Taylor. And I'm Kelly. And we are the co-hosts of Jumping Bomb Audio, the number one show all about the world of Joshi Pro Wrestling. Episodes drop every other Monday where we discuss the biggest Joshi news, review shows, and preview the hottest upcoming Joshi action. So whether you're a new fan or an old fan, we've got something here for you at Jumping Bomb Audio. Check us out on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway, in a brand new day, gotta let it go. So Welcome back to Open the Voice Gate for November 6, 2022. It's Gate of Destiny edition here of Open the Voice Gate. Yeah, we are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast feed or on our own dedicated podcast feed on all podcast platforms and applications. You can follow us on Twitter as long as it as long as Twitter exists at Open Voice Gate. If you'd like to donate to the show, click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to our redcircle.com landing site. You click the red box to sponsor this podcast, and you set up a one-time or recurring donation. No obligation whatsoever, but we would like to thank all of our previous donors. I'm one of your hosts, it's your old pal, Mike Spears, joined alongside, as always, Case Lowe. And Case, 
How are you feeling, buddy? You you, you took the you, you took the all nighter path today. I took the wake up early path, and I feel like our energy is pretty equal. Yeah, I I got in a little bit of sleep before the show started and a little bit of sleep after the show. I'm feeling great. My only concern, and I don't want to spend a ton of time on this because we have a ton of Dragon Age stuff to talk about. Moments before we started recording, I went to go trim my mustache and I trimmed it a little too short and and short vertically, not horizontally. I didn't like give myself a Hitler by accident, but I was trying to take some off the top and I went a little too far and I'm really, really self-conscious about it right now to a point where I feel the need to mention it, even though nobody can see me. Other than that, I'm doing very well. You know, podcasting is a visual medium, so I I, I feel like you got to carry granted if if it's coming down and that's the issues that you went you're trimming up top and you went a little too south. I mean, if it was good enough for Cary Grant, bring back the pencil thin mustache, man. I, the problem is, I was in a really good spot facial hair wise. I've been looking very good lately. Things have been going very well for me. I've been walking around with a little bit more confidence than normal, and I just got a little too fine. And I'm starting to pay the price for it. So uh, I will deal with that as soon as we're done here in terms of manifesting rapid hair growth on my upper lip. But to answer your question, I'm doing very well. I'm very excited to do an instant reaction to Gate of Destiny 2022. Yeah, so that is the theme of this week's show. We've been threatening the show for weeks now, and it's here. Gate of Destiny 2022 just went off air about uh, four hours ago from Osaka, Japan. Uh, they were at Edeon Arena Osaka. Attendance case. You, I thought you set the, the perfect over-under. Little did I know that little old Dragon Gate over here was going to do 2208, uh, smashing the uh, over-under of 2000. Look, this is an undoubted win. You know, New Japan, the prior day, they ran a much fuller capacity setup because they were doing clap crowds instead of cheering. New Japan put about 4,000 in the building, 4,006 to be exact. Dragon Gate with a 50% capacity mark, which I put the capacity of this Ediana Arena Osaka venue at about 5,400. They do 2,208, which is... Uh, a damn near sellout off of that math alone. And I don't know if you noticed, but coming back from intermission, Jay did not give a number, but Jay did use the term sellout. So I will wait to see how Drangate sort of uh, notes that when they publish their official results. But 2208 in a building that was set up for 50% capacity is a giant win. Yeah, and it's something that the reason why I thought 2000 was a great number of on Wednesday case was because last year's gate destiny was 1600. So 2000, that's still like 125% increase. Now we're looking at this thing that they just completely smashed last week, last year is when they were probably running a very similar configuration when you think about it. And that was with Yamato uh, headlining again, but that time against BB Hulk. And I, and I had to say, like I was looking at the cards and I was like, all right, I think last year's card probably was more draw on paper, but this year, I mean, they just, uh, I, I think one of the most bold moves they did was the way that they treated this Dreamgate storyline, and I think that the uh, attendance today vindicated their big swing. There's no way to argue it or slant it in any possible way. In reality, I actually think Dreamgate simply just doesn't have, it hasn't been given the credit they deserve for what we'll put under an umbrella term as the decourage experiment. At the start of this year, that first Cork and Hall show, you get 
Daya and Yoshioka coming together. Daya wins the Brave Gate early in the year. They win the Twin Gate belts together. They have that for the first half of the year. King of Gate comes in in May. Yoshioka wins King of Gate, wins the Dream Gate in July. They go forward, and from August onwards, they've had Kakuta alongside with them, and now Daya has the Twin Gates with Kakuta. And that is what is pushing this promotion forward. You know, for as great as Ishin Ihashi is, or Ishin, as we will get to, for as great as Mochizuki Jr. is, uh, this promotion is being driven by D courage right now. It was Yoshioka on top. I said from the moment that he won the Dreamgate belt, this guy's going to be good for business. He's been even better than I thought he would be. The Ata match uh, in September popped a great number. And here versus Yamato, you know, we talked about it last week. Despite the fact that they only wrestled once before Yamato went off to America, they had one basically road to tag match before Yamato split for six weeks. This match felt really hot. And that was in part two. Yamato having, I, I think you and I can both agree, a pretty successful stay in America, but also in Japan, Yoshioka just chugging along, doing his thing, having great matches, having great trios matches with Dai and Kakuta. This is such an undoubted success to where now they've got this little three-headed dragon where they can bank on these guys to headline all of their smaller shows as a trio. And we're seeing evidence month after month after month now that, hey, if you put Yoshioka at the top of your card, the people are going to come to see him. And, and it's something that I think, as this was the first far in advance announced uh, Voices crowd, like, it was very clear. Like, things that we would we have noticed, that we've talked to people, and of course I implicitly trust, like, people who go to the shows about this sort of stuff, but it was so nice at the end of this, this championship match that that Yoshioka was out getting out cheered or he was out cheering Yamato and, and just really in, in a lot of ways just like vindicates every bit of confidence that the company has put into decourage the fact that it just completely the, as soon as they got them in the belts and as soon as they got out of their way just let decourage through decourage it's just Everything, it's not been boom. I would say that this attendance done for Osaka is very noticeable. But it's something where I think that that six-month period that we were uh, fretting about after Kobe World Weekend, we kind of need to put that to bed by now. I, I think we, we've seen enough now to know that, that, that the short term is just as bright as the long term for Dragon Gate up. Uh, I, looking at the show as a, as one case, what was your big takeaway from this morning's Get Destiny show? My big takeaway is something that Jay mentioned at the very end of the broadcast today, which is that in this promotion where you have seven champions, six of them right now debuted after 2016 or later, and the exception in that group is Kai, who had obviously been around for quite some time before wrestling in Drangate, but Kai was new to Drangate circa 2018. So you have all of this new blood here. You know, Yamato was great, Dragon Kid was great, Naruki Doi was great, but it was so clear. If you turned off Drangate after Champion Gate in Osaka night two in 2020, when Doi beat Susumu uh, to retain the belt, and we were doing Torimon versus R.E.D. versus Drangate, and you didn't see a second of anything that took place for the last two and a half years, and you turned this show on, you would be slapped in the face with the hierarchy change that has taken place in this company, and it's not experimentation. It's not, we'll wait and see how this plays out. 
we are being hit with number after number after number that says this is a success with the only blemish on that record being the universally panned June and July of this year. And as soon as they got out of that rough patch, as soon as Yoshioka got the belt, numbers went back up again. Numbers have only gone up as Yoshioka has been champion. I don't know if you noticed, Mike, but that Kobe Sambo Hall show that they ran on November 5th, the day before this Gate of Destiny show, was their second super uh, uh, no vacancy full house in Kobe Sambo Hall in back-to-back months. These guys are chugging along right now. Business feels hot. And it's, you know, we're a broken record at some point. We go, oh, the youth, the youth, the youth. But I feel like so often in wrestling, and it's the dreaded complacency of American promotions, where again, you know, now I've got to deal with Jeff Jarrett on my TV again on a show that I like, even though Jeff Jarrett has been nothing but a failure for 25 years. I have to see this guy's face because nothing ever changes in American wrestling. It's the same people running it. It's the same booking patterns. It's the same decisions are made. And whenever there is a thrust of youth moved into the main event picture in any company, it is looked at as experimentation. It is looked at as a trial run. And more often than not, bookers go back to the guys that have been stars before. And Dragon Gate, I mean, God, SB Kento is starting to feel like a veteran on this roster. You've got 20-year-old Takuma Fujiwara. You've got Kaito Nagato. You've got all of these young champions who are successes at the box office. Like, they're just so loaded, and it's crazy. And this is obviously the podcast where we wave the flag harder than anybody else. You know, this is obviously the Dragon Gate podcast, and you and I have a reputation as being Dragon Gate guys. I just, I just want somebody else to pay attention to it, somebody else to go, wait a minute. All of these things that we've asked for out of these wrestling companies for you know decades and decades and decades, this promotion's doing it, and they're doing it well. Oh, my God, we have to pay attention to this because I, I don't understand from a wrestling fan perspective how you could watch this show or big picture look at what they've done over the last few years, really, and not just fall in love with the way they operate. It. And it's something that, like, we live in the era of infinite choice. And I think that's, like, one of the overall beautiful things about wrestling is the ability to say, like, oh, I'm not digging what's being put out on USA or Turner, so I want to go see what else is going on. And I'd be like, hey, now this is a time where, unlike any other time, that basically on devices in our hands we could get video feeds live from places across the world and we have a company like dragon gate which this gate destiny show about three and a half hours it's not one of the super long shows but dragon gate doesn't like keeping their big shows uh they like keeping it at about that 330 window but i like look at this and i look at at like what you said and about people who have been frustrated this the dollar, I I think, has never, in recent memory, has never been as strong against the yen right now. And Jay was talking about this on commentary. And it, it, it's something where, like, it's no better time. I mean, there's no, like, financial, like, better time than now to get in on this. Because I, like, look at this card and I walked away from this going, like, wow, this was a Dragon Gate big show. This was worth my one month of subscription right there. And that's not even considering the... The other stuff, stuff that's going in for the network this month. I just like look at like my big takeaway walking away from Gate Destiny is like this is like the best time in recent memory to be a Dragon Gate fan. Like I really do think that like just looking at how everything has evolved and changed. Like how you said, like 
it if you went to march 2020 and be like hey here's the card for gated destiny in 2022 you, you'd be completely taken aback by it but it, it, it it's something that we read off these ages and these years experience, but at a certain point, uh, it, it's just like a cacophony in our ears because this is what this company is. It's like not, it's not a surprise anymore that Ishinahashi was able to in one night become a made guy because we've seen it now so many different times. And, and you look up and down the show, and with the exception of Yamato and the main event here. We're talking about like this complete new generation and, and it's supporting parts going forward. And it's very exciting, and I think it's the time to get in. And it's not like this was a crazy show of the year contender either. Now, I had three matches that I had at four stars or above, three things that hit the spreadsheet. But my overall message isn't like, stop what you're doing in the conversation you're having with your family. Go to the Dragon Gate Network and watch the show immediately. It was a great show, and it's just one of those things that as I sit here... Uh, you know, not only talking about the show now, but putting the final touches on my Voices of Wrestling review that, that you can read over at VoicesOfWrestling.com probably by the time this comes out, if not certainly Monday afternoon. I, I always have a final thoughts passage, and sometimes that is the hardest part of the review to write because so consistently it's another great show. It consistently good work from the most consistent promotion on earth. You know, believe it or not, Drangit had another good big show, and this is a, a, another one of those examples where you know, I don't think this competes with the highest level AEW pay-per-view of the year, but I mean, Jesus Christ, this show was great. And and I know they have more in the tank too. There was one match that I'm a little frustrated by because I thought it could have gone twice as long as it did. And if it would have gone twice as long, it would have been twice as good as it was. And it was really good the way it was. So I'm I'm just delighted with this show and I and I think we should get into it. Absolutely. So, as we said up top, uh, Gate Destiny 2022, it, it will be, as a time recording, it was today, uh, November 6th. It will be up on the network until the 13th. So, yeah, you have a full week if you listen to the show to check this out. Uh, uh, English commentary, Jay and Hoho not bringing anyone in today for this. They kept it, Jay stayed solo when Hoho was wrestling. We opened off. Uh, the Gay Destiny 2022 with Natural Vibes team of KZ, UT, Jackie, Funky, Kamei, and Jason Lee versus the unaffiliated veteran team of Ultimo Dragon, Don Fuji, uh, Shuchi Kondo, and the return of I Am Free, Naruki Doi. Now, we talked about this at the end of September when Doi announced that he was going freelance, and I spell it out for people that don't understand what's going on in my written review, but briefly... In case you didn't hear when we talked about it, you're not going to read my review, and you didn't hear Jay clarify all of this on English commentary when Naruki Doi made his entrance, do you, Mike Spears, want to explain what's going on with Naruki Doi and Dragon Gate? Yes. So, Naruki Doi is officially, this isn't like a gimmick thing, he is an exclusive freelancer. What that means is that he's able to wrestle wherever he wants, but he's also able to do so under the banner of being a Dragon Gate wrestler. Yeah, usually with exclusive freelancers, which is something that has happened since time immemorial in Dragon Gate. Uh, it, usually they will work, they, they'll skip out on the house show loops. I mean, Dragon Gate runs like 20 shows a month. So, you know, and they'll announce, usually they'll announce their appearances in advance. And that's what we got last week with the uh, remaining dates for Nuruki Doi in 2022. He is not going over to DDT. 
he is he is working DDT, but he is even though he is a freelancer, he the, there is an official agreement that he is a Dragon Gate wrestler, and that uh, the I I don't know how much uh, errors and corrections we want to be doing on this episode, but I I feel like that clarifies it as in as plain terms as possible. Kiss, did I? No, that makes complete sense. So please be wary of who you're getting your Dragon Gate news from. We explained this when Doi announced that he was going freelance and. Uh, some people did not pay attention to it. Yeah, so the, the this was his first appearance. He took off October to heal up. If you follow him on social media, you have undoubtedly seen him advertising his uh, physical training gym that he's opening up. Uh, he he's been a physical trainer, I, I think, basically since Dragon Gate. Like he's been doing this for a long time, so it makes sense that this was going to be his exit ramp. New gear for Naruki Doi tonight. He was wearing red and gold, which was a little bit of a surprise. Uh, the finish. Realized I didn't say the finish, guys. It was uh, KZ with a running elbow smash on Don Fuji in 9 minutes and 32 seconds. I guess I can kind of give a big picture thought here as it relates to this match specifically where I got pretty excited when this match hit the ring and in the early stages of it because I felt like the crowd was pretty alive and it reminded me of what Drangate sounds like with sound, which is, you know, a, a crazy thought to have. But nevertheless, it was it was pretty refreshing and then as the night went on, certain guys got big pops for their entrances. Certain moves got good reactions. I did find the crowd to be a little subdued, and this is something that has not played Drangate specifically, but it, it, it seems like the read on most of these promotions, when they invite fans back to cheer, they've all been a little timid at first outside of maybe those New Japan Corkin crowds. Yeah, I, I would say it was something that as we got to... Further up the card, the crowd got a little bit more into it, but other than like entrance pops and like there were a couple audible kickout pops, it was a very subdued crowd, though. It was nice that I, I guess like the biggest way I think I felt like I noticed that the crowd was it wasn't just clapping around along with a chant. You actually got to hear the calls, which was kind of which was neat. But but as you said, it was still more subdued than it was uh, previous COVID. Yeah, I, I feel like if you ran this show back with a 2019 crowd, the crowd would be twice as hot for it, if that makes sense. They would also be very confused about some of the people on this on the show. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that is very true. But it was a it was nice to, you know, I talked last week when we previewed the show about, you know, should we should we be concerned about KZ? Natural Vibes is this great unit. They've got all of these great wrestlers. They've done all of these great things. And it weirdly seems like KZ, especially in this third version of Vibes, has been the least important player. You know, he's taken the back seat compared to some of these guys, you know, Jason and Jackie and Strong Machine J. And here it was nice to see KZ get an emphatic, very specific win over Don Fuji in this opener. Yeah, like I, I figured that like for a KZ and something like this, uh, it, he had a lot of title shots last year. I just, it, it, if we're having this conversation this time next year, that's why I'd be like, maybe, uh, maybe KZ's uh, not in the plans anymore, but I don't feel that way. Uh, did you I, know I, real quick, did you know that this show in 2020 did 1885 for Ata versus KZ in the main event? I knew I, I knew that they were down between 2020 and 2021, but I didn't realize that it was with that. Okay, that is they drew. I think awful that, that, last spe year. That's, that speaks to Ata is really really over, and yeah. also it, this is a weird thing to say, but 
given the business restrictions that were put in place, Dragon Gate had a really good 2020. Like that was a promotion. Again, we talked about this at the time and we we kind of felt insane given just the one, just the depressed state of the world, but then also how messy most of wrestling in 2020 was. You and I would come here on on this podcast every week in 2020 and go, boom, another four-star beggar from Dragon Gate. Like things are feeling very good in this promotion. And in 1885 for that show, I mean, that's there are promotions now in 2022 that would kill for that number. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it, it's one of those things that even when I was just, like, using Corkin as a control sample, the Dragon Gate's business, it, it did get hurt, but comparatively, not as much, basically. So, so but, but just, like, the fact that they dipped last year is the thing that now I'm kind of fixating on. Well, uh, you know, BB Hulk and a main event match in 2021. Yeah, I, that, I think that's what I said uh, 12 months ago about this. I... I uh, but getting back to the opener, I thought it was like a fine little opener. I thought it was fun. It, it was kind of like, okay, of course, we have Natural Vibes kick off the show to try to get the crowd into it. And uh, when you have one person on the team who looked hungover and didn't want to wrestle, you know, what, what can you do? <laughs> you know, I thought Ultimo Doyle had a I... <laughs> celebration the, the night before, okay? It, he got on the bullet train after a wedding. And we know our guy likes to, uh, you know, have a couple glasses of wine. Fascinating, man. Absolutely fascinating, man. I, I will say... I thought Naruki Doi looked really good. You know, he's moving around quite well. That's something that for the rest of his appearances this year in Dragon Gate, I'm going to watch his DDT stuff, that mixtape, because I think his DDT stuff looks interesting. I'm really curious to see just simply how he moves around. And today I thought he moved around pretty well. Yeah, it, that was nice to see. I, I, I There was a little thought back in my mind. It's like, what if Naruki Doi just suddenly comes out as like a t-shirt guy? And the, 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 there was a part of me case that I was like, this is like, oh no, it's uh, Naruki Doi. It, it, it's what I've been seeing for the last 20 years. Yeah, Doi as a t-shirt guy would make me really sad. I don't want to see yeah. that. I, I, but didn't you have like a little bit of a thought cross your mind for a second? Yeah, yeah, completely. Where it's like... That that's an interesting thought because if like I'm thinking like if Genki, I mean Genki's basically a t-shirt guy. Well, I guess he is a t-shirt guy. Where's the tank top? Never bad example. I, I, I mean Genki's basically been a t-shirt guy since the beginning. Uh, that's a horrible example. Possibly the worst <laughs> example I could have chosen. If Don Fuji became a t-shirt guy, it'd be like ah, oh, I get it. You know that's that's whatever. But something about Doi, like that would just be that would bum me out so much. Yeah, like he is the one that it would like specifically bum me out. Like, like, like Hulk became a t-shirt guy, and my thoughts was, yeah, we probably should have done that a couple of years ago. But, uh, but, but seeing Doy like this, and yeah, you y- you know he's going to run through pairs of gear that he can sell too, right? Oh God, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. This, you know, he's not tied down to a color anymore, so I expect Doy to just show up in a different pair of tights every time we see him wrestle for the rest of his career. And unlike Shun Skywalker 2019, we won't be going like, hey, uh, a lot of gear there. You are a lot of gear on that paycheck. Shun spending his money like he's an NBA rookie, but just with different masks in 2019. Just a different fringe on his wristband. A man out of control. Speaking about young men out of control case, our next match was young men with the veterans as it was uh, M3K's Izushi Kanda with associate member Ishinahashi defeating the unaffiliated veteran and rookie team of Ginky Horiguchi and Kaito Nagano with a Kamada style choke slam on Nagano in three minutes and 43 seconds in the post-match Ishinahashi officially joins M3K requesting a t-shirt and putting it on. How about that little dive to the floor from Nagano where he springs up to the top rope and then does uh, basically just a simple crossbody after that. But I thought that looked pretty nice. 
this kid's crisp as hell like smooth for for doing that it, it, it's something uh case did you see uh the uh, splash that uh, saya kamatani did earlier this week knocking all the teeth out of me and shurikawa's face yes I, yeah, yeah yeah i did she has been she, she has been doing dives like that for like the better part of four years i have not gone through a match where she's doing like the running shooter or a phoenix splash that does not look crooked as all get out Kaito Nagano, who has wrestled for two months, uh, has a body control that puts her to shame. You know, the thing with these Dragon Gate wrestlers is that they are pretty good at what they do. Yeah. Uh, uh, whenever, I, whenever I see Kamatani do something like this, it's like, oh, yeah, not. I, I could tell who does not run that company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Nagano's but, but, exciting. I mean, he's he's just one of those guys, you know, and Dragon Gate gets this way with some of their youngsters where now he's the guy that I circle on every card and I go, okay, what's. What's he going to do here? Because he's normally very exciting and he's of that stage of his career where he has to give 110% in every match that he's in. And I'm looking ahead and it doesn't look like he's on this upcoming Cork and Hall show, which, uh, you know, we'll preview at the end of this show, but they, they could use a Kaito Nagano given some of the matches that are on this show. Jesus Christ. But also it's it's a bit of a bummer because I really like seeing his show to show progression and I would have liked for him to have that Cork and spotlight yet again. Yeah, I mean, I always go back to, like, in some of the unfun periods of the company that you, you could always pick out, like, a rookie to watch, like, on the undercard. But now we're at a time where it's like, oh, those rookies they usually would pick out to watch on the undercard, they're actually semi-main eventing. So it, yes. it, it, it's it, it's something that that's always been one of those things I've always really have enjoyed about it. And Nagano, it's something where it, it's he has the crowd connection. And that for him doing flying at his size, I think that is like the most important thing for him is to already get that. Cause we've seen at least with like Minorita that you can overcome your size very easily in this company. If you're able to get that crowd connection and not going to as well in that way. More on Minorita in a second. Indeed. Because uh, after this case, did you have any more thoughts on the match too? Uh, no, I, I enjoyed the match. I enjoyed the finish and I enjoyed Ishidihashi joining him three K. Indeed. And now it's time for a touch football match of the night. On one side, we had Takashi Yoshida, Punch Tumanaga, Yosuke Samarita, and Hoho Loon. On the other side, Konamawa Ichikawa, Sachioko Boy, Problem Dragon, and our friend Gurk and Mask. It was uh, Yoshida falling back on the Inabauer German pinning Sakura Ichikawa. Uh, I thought this was a, a touch football match that went a little long. I think this match went two minutes. It felt like it went a lot longer, case. This match, let me let me find the exact the exact time here. Uh, because I believe I believe this match went less than two minutes and thirty seconds. Um It's a I little long. <laughs> it, it was a little long there. Two minutes thirty seconds a little long. The final time of this six man tag match where Takashi Yoshida pinned Konama Michikawa was two minutes and twenty six seconds. Yeah, you see, I, I, I could have found something to do with that two minutes and twenty six seconds. I'm conflicted as to where I want to see Gurkin Mask wrestle more, but it's a dangerous sentiment to say that he should get better spots in the card. I think this is just the the happy meeting of where he's going to have to wrestle if he's going to get booked on these shows. Yeah, I mean, Gurkin Mask, I, if, we keep him on the, on the undercard because if you let him build up any sort of momentum, he's going to be made of any of this company. So <laughs> of course, we can't have of that. course. Did you, did you see his merch spread at this show? No, I did not. Uh, did he have a full, uh, did he have a full table? 
I don't think he had a full table, but he had a good chunk of one. It's on Susumi Yokosuka's Instagram because Yokosuka's selling these, like, I need clarification from somebody that's been to these shows. I think what they are is it looks like a fin that you attach to your iPhone, and it serves no purpose other than just being I, something fun to look at. I, I, I mean, he was selling masks for a long time. Are you certain that, that someone didn't put a mask on a phone and it's throwing you off? No, no, no. He no because he's I, he's for sure selling these fin type things because he's still selling the mask. But these are like, it looks like a gherkin mask merch item. I'm not sure if it is. I'm not sure if Susumu is specifically making them for him or if gherkin mask saw them and was like, well, that's clearly my intellectual property. Um, but he's got that. He's got some like keychain gimmicks, and then he's selling gherkin mask masks at these shows and. You know me. If my white ass walked up to the Dragon Gate merch table, I'm leaving with the Gherkin mask mask. I I mean, I Ultimo cannot get you to hand out the $100, but oh Gherkin God. mask for one for like $300 for an Ultimo mask, and I really thought about it for a second. <laughs> <laughs> the thought has crossed your mind. <laughs> that, that was a man so thoroughly unimpressed with me. <laughs> I mean, like... <laughs> after watching the, the, the shoot, he's a man who's thoroughly unimpressed with human existence, man. Oh, my God. Me, my big smile, my Drangate t-shirt. I took a train and a bus to get to this show <laughs> in the, the West Chicago suburbs. <laughs> I'm going... I'm gonna have a nice chat with Altmo. You know he speaks broken English. We, we can we can figure. Out. I just want to tell him, bring Jason Lee over, bring Takuma Fujiwara over, and he sees me and just he is out immediately. I I, I gotta say I, I respect someone who could case a an opportunity as well as he does and as immediately. Oh, he's he's as the he man. He's he's the man. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like You know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever, but if you're really in this game to, to find value and find particular cards... It sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, 
got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. The last of the undercard uh, non-major uh, matches was a three-on-two handicap match. This was originally Kota Minora and Binke along with Minorita accompanying them versus BB Hulk and Diamante. But during last night's uh, Royal Sambo at Kobe Sambo Hall, the BB Hulk decided he wanted to take on all three of them. So it was three-on-two gold class versus uh, Zebrats. It was Hulk winning with the first flash on Minorita in eight minutes. I'm going to take some victory laps on this show, but I cannot get Ben K challenging for the Dreamgate title right because I the last like four big shows I've been like, well, Ben K is clearly going to win his match and then challenge for the Dreamgate after the main event, and that has just not been the case. Yeah, you know, I just let you play in your space of Ben K always challenging at this. Doesn't point. it just that just seems like a match they should be doing? I. I feel like that there is like a difference in the international fandom of people who thinks Ben K should be challenging all the time because it's not just you, Case. <laughs> it is not just you. Don't lump me in with those people, okay? <laughs> <laughs> it's a different argument. I'm looking at B-Boy, Charisma Machine, rapper to the fullest, rapper to the stars, Ben K, and going – that's a main eventer right there. I'm not talking about Wrestling Machine 2018 charisma list can't cut a promo Ben K, okay? There's a difference between me and those people that you're referring to. Hey, fair enough. Fair enough. Y'all just have the same uh, propensity to want Ben K match at every big show. This is unbelievable. This is absolutely <laughs> sickening. <laughs> so this match, uh, t- uh, Takumi Hayakawa Minarita, uh, we have posed by... Jay on commentary. Minorita in the conversation for Rookie of the Year case. You must feel so proud. Uh, look, I think it's great. You know, I, I was actually going to reference something that I wrote at my on my Gate of Destiny 2021 review. So this show last year, uh, which now I've got to pull up that match real quick because I had it and then I deleted it. And I just want to make sure that I'm I'm setting proper context to because it was a fun little veterans versus uh rookies tag match that at that point Hayakawa was and you know Hayakawa debuted in October of 2021 so this was really one of his first matches that we saw from him and it was Mochizuki Takumi Hayakawa and Yasushi Kanda versus Ishinihashi Riki Hashi and Ultimo Dragon and in my review I wrote and I quote 
he being uh, Hayakawa, he stands roughly 5'1", making him the shortest wrestler on a roster full of small guys. I expressed my concern for him on the most recent Open the Voice Gate podcast. No doubt about it, his debut showed off how technically sound he was, something that will only progress with more experience. I was wary of if he could ever project in a way that he needed to, though. Could he present himself in a way that made his size a benefit and not a detraction? End quote. And a year later, boy, oh boy, has Minorita made his size a benefit and not a detraction. I I mean, he got one of the large, one of the loudest reactions of the night. That's like, something that Ho-Ho was sure to point out on commentary. Yeah, it, it it is something that the best thing to happen for anyone who's been around gold class was Minorita getting to play within the space. Like, it, it, and it's something that in this match, this was a, the Minorita match we've been talking about for the last few weeks, but it was put on... But it's just put on a big stage here, and I was very close to make for going notebook on this because I thought that the the work here with Menorita was phenomenal throughout it. Well, add it to the list of Diamante singles matches that I want to see. I mean, the greatest thing that Drangate could give me at this point is a Diamante singles match trial series where it's you know him versus Fujiwara again, it's him versus Menorita, it's him versus Nagano, and it all builds up to that. You know, I I not only want Ben K versus Yuki Oshioka. I want Diamante versus Yuki Yoshioka because the the stuff between Minorita and Diamante to start this match, ending with the Diamante powerbomb on the floor, was all such terrific stuff. That was just disgusting. It was just disgusting. It was just, it was so brutal. Oh my God. It it was something that, so the spot was Minorita was going for a uh, flying Teharis from the outside to the floor, and Diamante just picked him up in one flat motion. It wasn't even that he, like, he, like, drove him with force. He just, like, dropped him. Like, it was one of those power bombs. It was gross. I loved it. Yeah, Minorita took a disgusting flat back bump to the floor. There was no, there was no power bomb, you know, elbows first, lessen the blow a little bit. This was him taking the full force of this power bomb to the, uh, to the outside. Just full blown squish. Like that's what it was. And you, you know, after that, it was just, it, it was something that like watching this, I was like, is it possible that one person's performance alone can make this into book batch? Like I was starting to think this by the end, by the closing stages, and I liked how abrupt BB Hulk just went. Nope, first flash, we're out of here. I thought it all worked so well given Minorita's character. I was not as high on it as you were, but I also I feel like I was as high on Minorita's individual performance. And to go back to what you brought up when we started talking about this match of you know Jay talking about Minorita being Rookie of the Year, the only flaw with Minorita is that he's not named Takuma Fujiwara. I mean, for a rookie in professional wrestling, a full year of of his existence, he could have done nothing more. It's just he's dealing with a prodigy and had Mochizuki Jr. on his tail. You know, right when it seemed like Minorita really got hot was when Mochizuki Jr. was injected into the company. So he had Fujiwara getting the early hype. He had Sato in the middle there, you know, the winter months sort of stealing a little bit of that buzz. And then right when Fujiwara left and, you know, Minorita rubbed his hands together and said, okay, I'm single-handedly going to save gold class. Mochizuki Jr. came in and our eyes diverted there instead of being on Minorita, which is, you know, again, no fault of his own. He's in a, in a bubble there 
with Fujiwara and Mochizuki Jr. and Ishinihashi as well, I guess we should mention, these generational all-time rookies. And through no fault of his own, he's going to fall out of rookie of the year contention. But he's been phenomenal. It's what we talked about about a month ago. There's going to come a point in time really soon where Minorita is going to be consistently one of the best wrestlers on the roster. Yeah, and it's something that's going to be really, really fun and exciting to see. After that, we had our last non-title match. This was a special singles match. Eita versus the returning Takuma Fujiwara. Eita won in 9 minutes and 52 seconds with an Imperial Uno. And Case, I'm just going to give you the floor because I feel like you, you you need to speak from the heart about this. You know what's funny is that I, I'm not going to speak from the heart. I'm going to speak from Striga's Twitter account from the Eastern Lariat podcast because... I have spent a year now, you know, talking about and writing about Fujiwara, and I, th- I think I've probably talked about him more than most, and there's been a million different ways that I've described him, a million different comparisons that I've wanted to make. Ultimately, Striga said it better than anybody else to a point where I can't paraphrase it. I can't say, oh, I saw something that was along the lines of this. I have to read it verbatim, and I, and I have to give Striga credit because, you know, he's a brilliant mind when it comes to discussing Japanese wrestling, is that he said while watching this match... Takuma Fujiwara moves like he has never done anything else but wrestling. And I've never read a truer statement. I mean, this is just a guy who was born to do this. I've never, I've never seen anybody like him before. It's something that like you catch yourself like in a match like this, where he just like, like the Arabian press where he just has like these instances of, precociousness where it's not like with some younger wrestlers and especially some younger high flyers where you could kind of see them connect the dots and be like all right now i'm doing this now i'm doing this no it's one fluid motion it's as if like he was just like not a it's like he's not a human it's like he's just a robot that reacts and it's like the perfect reaction to this thing would be do a flying arabian press just smooth movement and doing that it's it's something remarkable and I think Striga, like, dead on. Like, this is someone who it, it seems that all 20 years of his life have been devoted to this. Uh, it's, I I guess, like, my, my, like, one kind of thing that I was kind of surprised that this didn't happen what's, whatsoever other than, like, the most, like, uh, tenuous form of crowd brawling. This was not a sleaze fest whatsoever where it really could have been. This was more of an ass kicking. No, and I thought Fujiwara got way more than I expected. I mean, this match starts with Fujiwara hitting a Michinoku driver and then that, like, sit-out Razor's Edge face buster. And as the match progressed, you know, he does the Arabian press, he does the Fosbury flop, he does the springboard Firebird splash. And just because the the goalposts on Fujiwara are just different than everybody else's. This is a kid that is in advanced placement classes when everybody else is in remedial, remedial English. I I started going, wait, are they, are they going to put him over here? Like that was a legitimate thought that I had because it was way more of a Fujiwara match than it was an Ata match. And Fujiwara got way more offense in than I thought he was going to. Yeah. It, He's a young Sheldon, I think we have to acknowledge. <laughs> like, it's just because, like, you did have that thought 
go through your head that like, oh yeah, no, he's just going to bull rush him. He's just this. Like, he, I, there was a second there where I thought he might squash him. After that, yeah. that razor's edge. I there was like a thirty second period where I just thought he was going to hit one more big move and pin Ata, and I was I was going to combust. I was going to just like I was going to evaporate into thin air in my apartment if that would have happened. <laughs> there is a report on the north side of Chicago <laughs> at approximately four a.m. Central d- Standard Time that a man has spontaneously combust. <laughs> it would have been. I I mean I wouldn't have known. I would have known how to react to that. And I thought it was a real possibility for a second. And even the way that Ata wins this match. So uh, Fujiwara has, they go for the Paro style leg sweep on the turnbuckle, but it's actually from, he hits the back of the head against the top turnbuckle, not against the uh, ring mat. So he bounces back up because he's 20 and you can't kill a 20 year old. And he was starting to fire away. He has a nice flying knee by the way. And then out of nowhere, Ata goes, Imperial Uno, Imperial Uno, I'm done with this kid. I'm not having this anymore. And it, it was something that was like done. It was somehow a desperation, like KO that made perfect sense. It's like, yeah, no, the, when Ata clocks people with his super kick, that's it. And he pulled, he saved it in his arsenal for this one moment to get this uh, you can almost like see like his thought process in his head going like okay this prodigious fuck i'm done with you now we're done here and i love that kind of moment like that's the way that unless it was going to be takuma fujiwara bleeding all over the place the fact that it just takes like a well this is my get out of jail card to get out of here i thought that was really i i feel like that accomplished a lot in this match in a way the finish was simultaneously awesome and incredibly disappointing because this was the match I was referring to earlier where it, it, it this should have gone twice as long. I mean, it went almost 10 minutes and at no point was I ready for a finish. I didn't think they were in the finishing stretch. I wasn't geared up for a pinfall unless it was Fujiwara on Ata. And you're exactly right. It was super effective. Ata just got sick of this kid's shit kicked him in the face and moved on with his life. But I wanted this match to be twice as long as it was. And, and it's something now, like the reason, another reason why, why I love this finish, because I'm completely with you. Like when we get a special singles match on these shows, we, we wanted to have some meat on that bone. Like I want to hear a 10 minute call. We didn't get 10 minutes, like 15. I, I'm weak case. Could we make do with 15 minutes of this match? I feel like we can negotiate from 15 as a starting point. I would have been okay with that. Yes. Okay. But like you, you have this finish that was done in such a way that afterwards, Ata was like, "All right, kid, you managed. Hey, you, you you gave me a tough fight here, and now the next time I see Takuma Fujiwara and Ata cross the ring from each other, my first reaction is going to be is like, does Fujiwara see the super kick coming? And that's going to instantly now become a bonus storyline to any interaction they have." that's great it, it it does seem like this is you know you have the obvious parallels of Ata going to mexico and then returning and wrestling dragon kid at this show 10 years ago and now you got fujiwara going to mexico and then wrestling Ata on this show in 2022 it it seems like this could be a generational divide that we see grow and prosper you know they're teaming on the cork and hall show which i think is really interesting i I, this is not the last Ata 
Fujiwara stuff that we see, this little short run he's got in Japan here. It, it would be great, and this is pie-in-the-sky thinking. I mean, this is borderline conspiracy theorist level of thought, but that that elusive Ata babyface turn that I'm waiting for could, and quite frankly, should be done through the lens of him forming a unit with Takuma Fujiwara when Fujiwara returns from Mexico. Yeah, and there's all that commonality with like millennials forming right as Ata came in there. Like like that as soon as you started talking, it's like I think I know where Case is gonna go with this. Future twenty twenty three Ata Takuma Fujiwara unit. Yep, nope, I'm totally on board. This was also I I, I wanna be sure I mentioned this. A really strong performance from the English commentary table. I thought Jay this is this is why I love Jay and why I like his commentary so much is you know, yes, he's incredibly funny. You know, I pop big for the, you know, the the more insider stuff that he was saying throughout the show in terms of fact checking and whatnot. But the backstory of Ata going to Mexico, Ata living with Dukai, Ata uh, just being good at everything, Ata being able to do everything, and how you know that's so similar to to where Fujiwara's at. It's just it's why Drangate has invested in English commentary because to me that makes it all worth it thought he and Hoho were really, really good in this match. Yeah, and it, it it's something that, like, going back to, like, the Eita and Fujiwara of it, it's like, all right, so who is, like, like is Nishikawa, like, staring daggers into uh, Fujiwara right now? Is that happening in Australia, maybe? And, it, you know, by Jay saying that, like, the gears are moving because we have seen played out on screen like how these excursions can go for people i mean shunin yuki yoshioka right there so i i I like the that that sort of flavor i think adds a lot to it let me ask you from a dorky star rating perspective what you gave this four flat interesting i'm at three and a half and i i loved it like this is essential viewing i just think it could have been so much better Oh, uh, oh! This is a disappointing four. The, the, this is that you have not put your best work in front of me. Four, you know. Okay, that's that's totally fair. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, case we were talking about this with having such an incredibly high ceiling. How is four stars not like a massive disappointment? Well, that's the thing. This match goes another ten minutes. Do you have any doubt that you're throwing four and a half on this? With the match they were having and knowing those two guys, yeah, no, that's a four and a half star match. Completely. Yeah. Easily. Then we got into the title matches of the evening. We had all four games defended. First up was D. Kirsch defending the Open the Twin Gate Championships against the Natural Vibes team of Big Boss Shimizu and Strong Machine J. It was Madoka Kakuda winning with the snap pile driver on Strong Machine, Strong Machine J in 12 minutes and 2 seconds. This was D. Kirsch's first defense, and this was Daya's first match back, I believe, from... Did he wrestle any of those random house shows? No, no, he was off because they were doing a lot of Yoshioka and Kinkuta and Yoshida six man. Right. Yeah. So this was his first time because I know like they there were some like bot shows that were happening. So I didn't yeah, know not, that not that first. I know. Of. I think this was his first match since that that arm injury in Fukuoka, and he was fantastic. You know, this was I went four stars on this. I thought this match was outstanding, and it was. Uh, uh, Daya being really good and Shimizu being really good, but largely. Strong Machine J and Kakuta carrying the weight of this match. Yeah, this was, I mean, I, the, I thought the crux of this match was going to be Daya's ability to basically take all of the offense and gain the hot tag in there. 
and then they did that tag super early. Like I thought that we were going to like that they were going to work that for longer, <laughs> working that. But and, and then we got the, this nice number between Kakuda and Strong Machine J, and it, it's something that like seeing like Jay in the ring with someone like Kakuda and with like their sizes, it's such a fascinating kind of enterprise. Like again, going back to the that Champion Gate 2020 thing, I've been like. Yeah, explaining this that like you have this match that you have three legit heavyweights in, and Dragon Gate is, and all three of the heavyweights are homegrown. Would would be just kind of remarkable here. I was three and three quarters on it. I I was hoping to get a little bit more of the the Southern style tag team match out of this. Instead, we got something different that I thought was really good. I mean, three and three quarters. No, we got those intricate Strong Machine Jade Kakuta counter sequences where a few different times Jay went for the machine suplex and then Kakuta spun out of it and hit him with a hip attack and then spun out of it, hit him with a lariat and then spun out of it. And and as you predicted, hit him with a pile driver to win this match. I, I, you know, I said it at the top and I'll, I'll reemphasize again for a third time when we talk about the main event, but God D courage just on every level. What a success this has been. And, and how much pep in his step has this given Kakuta? Like, career redefining, in a way. Oh, it's, I mean, I was in full-on panic mode in June and July of this year when it came to Kakuta, because he had, I, I knew something was off when he came back at Dead or Alive, and I thought he was, like, the least interesting guy in the six- or eight-man tag that he was in, which is, you know, bizarre. It was his first match in a year. I thought he kind of should have stolen the show, and he was such an afterthought there, and then he had the nice little SB Kento match at King of Gate, and then once again was just a complete and utter non-entity, and it made me really, really nervous going forward. I mean, you have to think back to three months ago, you look at the Ultimo Anniversary Show and Kobe World, he's in a match, it's Binkei, Kakuta, and Yoshida versus Gurukin Mask, Arakin, and the Bodyguard on the first night. And then the second night is Don Fuji and Dragon Daya versus Kakuta and Yoshida, which was simply a vehicle to tie the knot on that Fuji versus Daya story. Kakuta had nothing going on on the two biggest shows of the year. And then he comes in here uh, fourth from the top in a, in a big title match and crushed it. He was the, uh, the MVP of this match for me. It's just something that it's just such a phenomenal thing to see how well he's just grown into this thing i mean he's he's ended up being like one of the more primary mic workers out of the group with the dreamgate champion in there and it doesn't feel out of place at all you know we're we're approaching the end of the year we're approaching fsm 50 season and i you know some people do the like sort of a nano gimmick and i'm not knocking them at all but i'm very public about voting in that who i'm voting for and my thought process behind it because i i it's a project that i'm happy to be a part of and that i really like doing and my list, because I'm me and, you know, my interest, I have about 10 to 15 Drangate guys on my ballot every year. And this year, you know, you're obviously, you know, I'm going to have, you know, Jason Lee and Kamei and Daya and Yoshioka and Yamato's probably going to get on there and Diamante and Shun are going to be there. And based off the work he's done over the last few months, I'm not I'm not saying Kakuta's a top 50 wrestler in the world, but when Kakuta's on, he certainly wrestles like a top 50 wrestler in the world. Yeah, I, I guess with with SFM 50, then you're you have to hold in like the other six months out of the year against them, sadly. 
I, will, I, I, I will say right now, I will be voting for Takuma Fujiwara, and I will be voting for Takuma Fujiwara very, very high as well. Are we talking top top twenty five? You think is he gonna make I, top I, half I, am, I am saying top twenty five is a very real possibility. Again, the thing with me is that I am obsessed with Fujiwara's work in Mexico, and I think he's I, he's had one match that I went spreadsheet on from his time in Mexico, which was one of his first matches. There is that five way big lucha match. It was like him and Estrella and Radioactivo and a, a few other guys, um, which was just like a fun scramble. It was just a scramble match done right, but. Every time I watch him in Mexico, again, it's it's going back to that thing of it looks like the only thing he's ever done is wrestle. He just soaked up what it is to be a foreigner in Mexico so quickly in a way that, you know, SB Kento has been good, but SB Kento hasn't been that good in Mexico. And Estrella was good, but Estrella was nowhere near that good in Mexico. And, you know, you, you put him uh, in the ring with Junta from Noah, and I always laugh. I say it's you know, like watching him do Lucha at gunpoint because he looks so uncomfortable with whatever he does when he's in the ring with somebody in Mexico. In Fujiwara, you would just think this is, you know, like a Dukai or an H, you know, somebody that packed up their bags and said, I'm going to be a, a Lucha Libre superstar, and this isn't just some learning excursion for him. So that that Mexico work actually really helps his case for me. Yeah, it, it he's had like one of the more fascinating rookie years in recent times. Like, I, I it's hard for me to be like, oh yeah, no, this guy has two completely different catalogs that should put him in the conversation, and he's twenty, and he debuted a month before this year started. Yeah, I just I I think that's important to note, and I'll I'll, I'll talk about this more with you, and then you know if there's any any audio that comes of SFM fifty this year, but I I feel like I have to make that clear that his. His trip to Mexico was a was beneficial in my mind when it comes to him being one of the best wrestlers in the world, not a detraction. Nah, I, I'm totally with you on that. Uh, the Brave Gate match was the next title match. It was Hyo defending against Dragon Kid. Hyo made his third successful defense with a wrist clutch back drop suplex hold. I'm going to pass the ball to you here. This is your guy. You've been Hyo fan since day number one. I would love to know your thoughts on this match. I think Hyo is one of the more fascinating wrestlers to come out of Dragon Gate in the last decade. And I think we're finally now it, it took him a while to get started. It took him really until he turned heel for him to kind of like put it together here. I just will say I went four on this. I this was not my match of the night, but it was very close to it. I thought that for for someone who has to have this kind of match with Dragon Kid. He knocked it out of the park in my mind. It's something that, Case, how many times do you think we have seen a some sort of Brave Gate match that's around Dragon Kid? That's the idea of whoever is fighting Dragon Kid, be it a champion defending against him or someone trying to take a title from him. How many of those matches would you say have been based around the concept of Dragon Kid being like the totem of the Brave Gate division? It's interesting. Although Hyo and the wrestler that I'm about to name are nothing alike, this match was very, very similar to Hyo versus Flamita from Kobe World 2014, which if you've listened to this show for any length of time, it's a match I reference constantly because Flamita's career was entirely made by Flamita versus Susumu that you're dead or alive, but Flamita's star power in Dragon Gate, I always feel was cemented by that Dragon Kid match where it was worked much slower than people would expect. Flamita kicked out of the Ultra Hurricane Rana just like Hyo did here. 
and in the end, Flamita won in a very emphatic and very definitive way, uh, which I would say Hyo did here. In Hyo's way. like Yes, because it, there was Zebrat's interference, but that pinfall was a 1-2-3 in the middle of the goddamn ring. Yeah, and he's been using this wrist clutch backdrop driver for this whole entire tournament run. It's turned into like a nasty hold for him because for a while, like he had remember the saber like that yes. uh it, the, like those and then it was like a uh, he was doing a tko as a finish he had the uh the uh top rope sent on which he still does but i think it was so, someone pulled him aside and was like hey do you really want to be doing this for 20 years this one move do, do you want your hips to do that but i think he finally like because that was the thing about Hio. he never really had a finish for six years and now he has it and did, did, didn't need to have one for a while. <laughs> no, did not need to. But like this wrist clutch backdrop suplex hold is is he crunches people. He like outright like folds them up here. And you, you alluded to like the book, the match that this crypt heavily from the the Flamita match here. And it, it's interesting that they did like such a clear playoff of that match. Both someone who does not fly around at all and just cheats as much as he can. And it's still, I feel like in its own way, not nearly to the level of uh, Flamita versus Dragon Kid 2014, but I think this match greatly succeeded. Like, this is a four-star match for me, but this is a match that for Hio, it meant a lot more than just being in a notebook. Interesting. I was not sure. We haven't talked about the show. I have no idea what you think of any of these matches. I was not worried, but I, I, I started to feel like maybe you might be down on this which I was not. I, I had this at three and three quarters. I will say, and fair warning to anybody that's listening to this before they watch the show, this match takes a second to get going. I was just about out on this completely when they teased the Christo spot. I thought that was a great submission tease. And then from there, the match really gets going. And Hyo was just so excellent. I mean, this has become his style. In the same way that we talked about, you know, the Drangate House style, and then there's the Dreamgate House style. There is a big match Hyo House style. This guy's developed his own pacing, his own rhythm, his own everything for these big matches. And it's really exciting because it takes so long to get going and there's stalling and there's just, things are just not moving at the pace that you would expect from a Dragon Gate title match. By the end of it, though, I, I, I was so, so into this. I mean, the, the Ultra Hurricane Rana kickout spot was huge. Hyo's offense, I thought, looked great. And that that final backdrop driver with the wrist clutch again that was that was a emphatic I am better than you you are old I am not one two three pinfall really good stuff from Hyo here I mean his you know, we've talked about it a lot because we we've always liked him but I don't think you or I ever saw this level of success in charisma in confidence in him yeah no it it, it was something where I where I always kind of saw like him as like a little shit bag as like his, his best role. It's like, yeah, he's a little shit bag, but he also might be one of the wrestler who works in his cheating and some of the most intelligent and fascinating ways. Like I, it, I, when I was watching this and when we got in the closing stretch, I was trying to think of like, this is a, if you are someone who's okay with the idea that heels need to cheat in your wrestling, I'm trying to think of someone who is portraying the, the heel cheating as well as Hio does right now. And I'm drawing a blank. And I know it's a hyper-specific category I'm caring about right now. Let me ask you this, uh, loosely related to that. Hio 
if he if he were to do a six week stay in America and work the same places that Yamato worked, how do you think that would go for him? I, I uh, wow. I I don't think he'd get as much out of it. Frankly, that's 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 a little bit where I'm at, and I forget. I think it was to a Yamato tweet that Hyo responded saying something along the lines of, I want to go to America. I think he was responding directly to Yamato, but I saw some Hyo tweet recently where, you know, the translator came through and basically said, Hyo was like, fuck yeah, sign me up. Like I want to go. And I'm just so curious as to what that would look like because he's, he's gotten this far because of unrelenting charisma. You know, he's talked his way into so many big moments and has talked his way into in storyline, you know, changing the face of this promotion at times, you know, with unit shakeups and unit spans matches and whatnot, you know, he ended the Torimon generation because of a promo that he cut. I would really like to see what that looks like in an AAW and a prestige and a defy. I would be really interested in seeing if he can get over uh, to any sort of substantial degree there. Here's why I'd propose. I, I would counter propose case. Hyo's best work is done through his charisma and like not actually wrestling. I want to take Hyo to some of the grimiest, dingiest, old school, work in the crowdiest, like indies possible. That's some, where he, some Memphis indies where Hyo's coming out from the Orient. I, I I mean I I not necessarily like that far, Kate. But <laughs> I but 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 let's see what's happening up in Jester, Jeffersonville, oh, Indiana. God. Like that's the if we're talking about like someone who could like learn and pick up stuff like this, like like yeah, getting over an AAW and prestige is an interesting uh, proposition that you're laying out there, and and it's something that I think that we've seen a lot at least like, and I don't want to go one to one. SB Kento got over immediately, like with these crowds, so I think he'll probably be- could find be- a way better here. than I thought he would in some cases too. Yes, yes better than we thought he would. I though I think like. If we're talking about a guy like, oh, plan their excursion, what they're going to get the most out of it, that they can learn the most, that when they go back to Japan or wherever, that they can apply it. It's not the AAWs I'm taking them to. It's not the Prestige. It's not the West Coast. We're, we're going to get him to ICW No Holds Barred. He He's going to be in the fighter, on, a, on a pit fighter show? Of course. Come on. God, I'd fly out for that. If ICW <laughs> announces Hyo for a pit fight show, I'm I'll, I'll, where where at? I'm buying the plane ticket. I want to see that so bad. Hyo, Hyo versus uh, Justin Kyle. Hyo versus Matt Tremont in a <laughs> warehouse in Tampa. All right. All right. Southwest goes to Tampa. Let's go. <laughs> it's, but Case, am I wrong about this? Like, it's no, an insane no, idea. I mean, it, look, I don't know. I don't know who, who is in Hyo's ears and what their long-term plans for him are, but... If I had any sort of influence in his life, I would be making sure that he knows that he's studying either English or Spanish. And and I think you and I both know just from who who he hangs around with that he at least probably speaks some sort of broken Spanish. But his peak seems like it's him in a foreign country being like a cheap heat heel. I mean, that's what I want to yeah. see more than anything. I, I just, it, it's a literal language barrier that is preventing him from reaching what is probably his greatest potential. Which is being in the junkyard zone of 23. Oh God. All right. I mean, it, shit, think about right. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Take a second. It sounds... can't, he, can't he just work DTU? I like DTU. I would watch that. I don't want to watch Zona. Yeah, but uh, Zona's kind of the place. 
I'm not Unfor- wrong. Unfortunately, you're right. <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> Hyo, Hyo's excursion is going to the junkyard. That's a real bummer. <laughs> I, is it? Yes, it is. Yes, it yeah, is. Yeah, I guess I, it is. I, I want him to not fear for his life as he's working a a, a, a date. Yeah, I, uh, I, 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 I would not want to like send them there without their shots. So no, no, yeah. absolutely, absolutely, full, full vaccination required. Either full vaccination or no vaccination should be the zona <laughs> policy. You can't have some of those things. It's either an all or nothing. Nah, uh, you and it, it they basically just like why don't they have like a why have they not had like a tetanus death match at Zona like with like needles with tetanus shots in that. That that just sounds like Phil Schneider's match of the year. That sounds like like something on Sagu Nikita that I'm gonna. That, oh, that was your match of the year. Weird. I heard zero other people talk about it. Oh, your number two <laughs> was a an NWA Empire War Games match. Weird. I don't think that exists. <laughs> Casey, you know what did it? You know who did exist though? Who's that? That is Mass Z in our semi main event for the Open the Triangle Gate Championship. It was M3K, Masaki Mochizuki, Susumu Mochizuki, and Mochizuki Jr. defending against Z Bretts, Kai, the returning Shun Skywalker, and Mass Z. As soon as the match started, Mass Z unmasked himself. He came out basically in a in like a skin tight mask that had the Zebrats logo on it and just a black shirt and a hood. It looked like he might have been wearing Diamante shirt. Yeah, it, it it actually straight up looked like that. He was like, hey, I need to have something to put over my body. But he unmasked and uncovered himself to reveal that Ishinahashi is not joining M3K. Instead, he is a full member of Zebrats. Ishin won the match, submitting Mochizuki Jr. with the Alcatraz choke. After the show on social media, Ishan put out a tweet that he is abandoning the Hashi name, and you call him Ishan, all caps. I should note, and maybe maybe I'm confused in my head, but Ishan won this match with the Taz mission, not the Alcatraz. I believe there was a difference in those submissions. They were, um, they were calling it Alcatraz Taz mission on commentary. Uh, the official thing on the Dragon Gate uh, social media lists it as an Alcatraz. So. I will. I will go with that then. So uh, forgive me for attempting to correct you, but I will be taking my victory lap here. Shame on anybody that gets Dragon Gate coverage from anywhere else. Straight up, I have been. I have been so right about the Triangle Gate scene this year, which has been. You know, if you remember to the spring. Th- this was the powder keg of you know made up nozawa problems the belt was transferring hands zero defenses zero defenses zero defenses my only blemish is that when gold class won it in marsh i thought they would get the run that m3k had because i thought they would be doing something very specific with menorah gold class loses in their first defense zero defenses zero defenses zero defenses peros makes one defense on a house show in a fucking great match against Natural Vibes, June 26th, maybe the best match of Nozawa's entire career, he and Strong Machine J in a mask-ripping, blood-induced, triangle-gate affair. And then it goes to Kobe World. I said, M3K is clearly winning. This is going to be Mochizuki's elevation, Mochizuki Jr.'s elevation. That's exactly what happened. Two weeks ago, this match is announced. I say, clearly, Maxi is Ishinihashi. He's not satisfied with the Mochizuki Jr. partnership. He's going to turn on him here. That's exactly what happened. I, I, I say this not to brag, 
but to reaffirm that for all of the bullshit that has been out there about Dragon Gate this year, for all of the pundits that have either, one, gotten it wrong, or two, not spoken about this promotion at all this year, I have been right the entire time. Go off. Go off. Yeah, no. You call this uh, pretty much from the outset, every step along the way. So congratulations. Enjoy your... That's more like a victory in marathon. You know, you know the, one, the one thing I was wrong about was I thought this would be like a three-minute match. I thought Ishan would unveil himself. They would do a very dramatic, quick angle of him pinning Mochizuki Jr., and they would move on. I did not expect to have a four-and-a-quarter star match here, which I did, and I am pumped about. Yeah, I was a shade lower as three-and-three three on this, but yeah, no, they had a full-on match. Ishan, as a heel, we should have known that he was going to be this good at this. Oh, oh, he, oh I'm so into this. I, this, he, is, this is why I thought he was going to turn, because... There was, you know, logistic stuff in the booking that I, I looked at, but honestly, I was just like, Ishan Hashi's ready for a heel turn. He can't get his ass beat for a year straight and not turn heel at some point. This has to happen. I knew he'd kill it, and he did. It, it, he just has, like, it's a different demeanor than most heel turns. Because, like, you, you remember, like, Hio, like, lost it with the steel chair on Keisuke Akuda, which, hey, by the way, not a good day for Keisuke Akuda. But, um... No, no other heel turns you, we've seen like people like as soon as they they turn they immediately start attacking no ishan is just he kind of walks around like he's like he's seen shit uh, you know what i'm saying like <laughs> yeah. it, 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 this is a young man who's taking matters into his hands and he understands the gravity of those matters he just does not care completely no th that's that's exactly ishan hashi's walking around like you're not supposed to ask him about something yeah, no. It, instantly, he's not the bully in high school, but he's the but he's the guy that if you see on the corner of a fight, you clear out immediately. You you want no part of Ishan. All caps. Again, the only thing Ishan Ihashi has done wrong is that he's not named Takuma Fujiwara. I mean, he came in quite frankly as this pudgy little boy in a in a singlet in a pink singlet, and has transformed himself into a six pack having freak who is now going to be a vital point or a, a, a vital focus rather for a heel unit that, you know, I, I forgot Shun was gone for as long as he was. He, he had been gone for two full months and then you see him come back here and he's with Kai and it's just like, Oh, that's right. Zebrats is a top notch heel unit. I mean, really one of the best that Dragon Gate has ever had just because aesthetically and in ring, they all have it down so well. You know, Hyo has his thing, and SP Kento has his thing, and Diamante has his thing. And then you see some, you know, form of uh, of team between Shun and Kai. It's just like, God damn, these guys are so good. And Ishin is going to fit right in. I am really excited to see what comes of Ishin in Zebrats. And it's something that Zebrats has needed for so long. Like, and and it's, and I think one of those things about. Uh, skywalker being away is that they've been down to four people and for a heel unit that just does not fly for that long so in, in a heel unit and i i say this with all due respect but a heel unit that was with bb hulk now as one of the four guys you know and it was you, you look at who they lost you know they had no shun and no sb kento and those were the workers in that unit you know they're left to diamante and hyo who we just talked about sort of the the complicated in-ring 
assets that he has, and then Kai and Hulk, who are always going to be a wild card. You bring Shun back, and immediately, the, the first thing he does is he monkey flips Mochizuki Jr. into Susumu and Masaki Mochizuki, and I'm just like, oh my god, that's right, Shun's back. He's he's the best wrestler in the world not named Will Ospreay. This guy is just something else. Yeah, and I'm really excited for just like the combinations with Ishin and Zebra. It's like, he was already looking like a million bucks. Uh, the other sign that should have been that that M3K was not going to be a long-term thing was I liked the combat pants and the feathers, but that was very clearly like not long-term gear for him. His new gear looks great. Looks it's great. Kinda... It, lo- it looks a lot like T-Hawk's old gear. Yeah, it looks like a combination of T-Hawk and Kai. Mm. Boy, but... in, in any other context, I would be really worried about that <laughs> statement, but his gear does look good. Any other con, uh, any any other context? Those are two names you don't want to be lumped in with. Uh, no, one is fine, but the two together—that's pretty scary. Y- yikes! Yeah. Uh, any other thoughts you had on the triangle game? Uh, where do you see M3K with now without belts, and now they're back down to four? It's the old men and junior. Did where you see you, what they're doing on the Corkin show? I have not pulled that up. I've not pulled up the Corkin car yet. Okay. Uh, All right. I'll, I'll tell you right now because it it plays out of that. It's Mochizuki Junior in a singles match. It's okay. one that I've been asking for. It's Mochizuki Jr. versus Don Fuji. I think it's match four on the card. That sounds excellent, right? Yep, yep. No, I'm in on it. Yep, I'm sold. And then I believe the semi-main event, it's late on the card. I think it's the semi-main, is Mochizuki, Mochizuki, and Kanda against Daya, Kakuta, and Yoshioka. Well, they're just going to try to be just all heat machines, are they? I'm telling you, M3K is not dead. I'm I'm very I, there's nowhere Mochizuki Jr. is not ready for something else yet. The story with his father hasn't played out. The story with Ishin hasn't even played out fully. What I hope we get is Mas- I, that's the, that's the beautiful thing with Yuki Yoshioka, who we'll get to his match in just a second. For so long, we were just sort of biting our nails and gritting our teeth at future Dreamgate matches. And I've got like nine Yoshioka matches that I want to see. And one of them is Yoshioka versus Masaki Mochizuki, which given their Mochizuki Dojo history is something that could realistically take place. And that also that could fill the void of a December cork and main event or a gate of origin main event. If they really wanted to get weird with it and do two dream gate matches within a week of one another. Yeah, no, if only gate of origin was like two weeks previous, then That's the thing. If I gate would... of origin was where it was last year. If it was the last week of November, Oh, be Yoshioka versus Mochizuki would be the perfect main event for that show. Yeah, no. A, a cross for the building fits the building. You're not burning something. I mean, but then again, you've burnt your biggest thing here already. So I, I, after you burn the Yamato match, you're really just burn what you want to burn but, at that but point. I, I, don't, I don't even, I mean, I guess that's true. What did, I got to look now. What did dangerous gate do so this showed at 2200 at 50 percent capacity restrictions and dangerous gate did okay dangerous gate did 1790 and that was in tokyo so you're right yamato versus yoshioka is the biggest match they have but if they book look i'm not going to use ben k but hypothetically they book yoshioka versus shun at final gate which would you agree with me that that's a very realistic main event yes no absolutely so so last year in Fukuoka for Final Gate, they did 2,000 people for Kai versus Yamato. If they book Shun versus Yoshioka for Final Gate this year, I don't see any reason that doesn't do 2,300 people. Yeah, my mind was going to 2,250. So, yeah. No, I, 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 I'm with you on that. And, unless they decide to go half capacity for cheering, you know? Which I hope I they mean, do. I mean, I, going yeah. forward, you know, the, the, the tough thing with Dragon Gate is going is to be that 
because they are the number two promotion in Japan, just to get that out there. Their Corkin business is so strong, you know, they're putting in about 1200 every month in Corkin, which is not a complete sellout, even in the way that they're running it, but is so much stronger than, you know, obviously what Noah's doing, Noah doing closer to 2AW numbers than Dragon Gate numbers. All Japan is eight or 900, they're rarely cracking 1,000. The problem with Dragon Gate is that if they want Shirogan, Cork, and Hall, they're going to have to go back down to 700 fans. And that, I understand yeah. the argument of, well, you know, the if the atmosphere improves, maybe you can get people that aren't currently watching to get invested. But it's really hard at this current time in, in the Japanese economy and the wrestling economy specifically to turn away 500 paying customers. Yeah, especially so since you are the largest independently run promotion in the country too. So New Japan makes perfect sense why they would go to uh, cheering in Corican because they make up money in other ways and they and they're work also, on a... they're also there all the time. That's the thing. I mean, yeah. Dragon Gate has two Corican shows coming up in December, and it would, I mean, look, I would I would be all about it if they decided to sell seven hundred tickets, but that's not going to be the case. I I don't. It's yeah, going like, to be it's going to well, be really hard for Dragon Gate to move away from that because they're there. You know, twice in December, twice in January, and once a month throughout the rest of the year. Yeah, so I mean, what what you would be proposing essentially is, let's say, twelve hundred is the line. So you're losing five hundred seats, and I I would put them at sixteen shows and in Corking. They've been adding a couple more to a month there, but sixteen there. So you're you're talking about eight thousand tickets, which Dragon Gate. I mean, you can't really say like the average is like ticket sale price. I don't know off the top of my head there, but let's just say about fifty dollars there out of that eight thousand tickets. Like the the amount of money you'd be giving up when you're talking about this, when you forecast it out, you, it, you just can't make that decision. Like you cannot make. You're basically giving up half of your cork and revenue, and that's not including you know, merch that, you know, Dragon right. Gate moves more than just about anybody. Again, other than New Japan, they move more merch than anybody. So it, it's not going to be advantageous for them to move in that direction, even if that's what, you know, we both want. And obviously, you know, their Osaka business has been so strong, obviously here doing what they did. I, I've monitored it extremely closely, you know, their Osaka number two shows have skyrocketed since Yoshioka took hold of the Dreamgate belt this summer that's going to be another one. You know, I know Gleet is running their first cheering show in Osaka number two in January. I don't know the timeline for Drangate running cheering shows there because I think it's going to eat into their ticket sales. The, the only thing we can hope for is that until something drastic changes in Japan, which is bigger than wrestling, that we get, you know, Dead or Alive, Kobe, Dangerous Gate, Gate of Destiny, and Final Gate as cheering shows. And, and hopefully... You know, by this time next year, we're not having this conversation. Things are just back to as normal as they can get. But from a business perspective, Drangate is in another position of being, you know, too small to be big, too big to be small. And the current restrictions, the way they're set up, favor them running clap crowds instead of cheering crowds. Yeah. And unless, like, it honestly, the the way they get back to clap crowds or cheering crowds and corking every month, no restrictions. Like it until like the restrictions are like okay, old capacity was eighteen fifteen. Until they're like okay, uh, you, you can sell fifteen hundred tickets and cheer, or you can go completely full capacity, no with clapping. Until they do that, this is what's going to happen. Because until it reaches a point where they can't sell any more tickets, a company in this position should always choose to sell tickets. The as you're saying it, I think it's entirely 
uh, unrealistic to think that this is like a growth time the Japanese wrestling comedy. This is uh, consolidation at this point. It's not growth. No, the uh, Japanese wrestling has never been in a worse state, and New Japan is is doing well, but not as well as they were doing. And Dragon Gate is doing well, but not as well as they were doing. And Stardom is showing very little growth. And Noah is they will collapse within a year. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to be out of business, but I, I have no hope in Noah's business endeavors. The Japanese wrestling scene is very dark right now. Yep. But you know what wasn't dark case? What's that? That was our Open the Dream Gate main event with Yuki Yoshioka making his third successful defense, defeating the ace of the company, Yamato, with the frog splash in 23 minutes and 8 seconds. Um, no challenger came out for Yoshioka coming up, but it seems like with his promos, he's going to continue going the former champion's path for future challengers. I think Jay said it best. You know, I saw, I, I stole Striga's words earlier, and here I will, I will take the words that Jay said uh, when you know at the end of the broadcast. He said, you know, Yamato knows he can rest easy now because Yuki has got it from here, and. I, I I don't want to get into who's the ace, who is it, who's the face of the company, who's the figurehead and all that stuff. But if for some reason anybody was doubting whether or not Yuki Yoshioka can lead this company into the future, I mean, I've for months now supplied the listeners with data that says, no, people are really into him. He's catching on this show being his finest work yet. This match was a work of art, and Yuki Yoshioka was just a, a, a top-level, elite, 1%-type professional wrestler in this match. Yeah, this was, like, eventually one day, Yamato will have, like, that match. You know, what you're talking about, like, the ace, like, oh, Yuki has it from here. Eventually, he'll have that kind of match. But until those kind of matches happen, until, like, that official, like, crossing, uh, changing of the guard... I th- this is as close to the feeling of that <laughs> without it actually being it. I mean, Yamato's much better health than a lot of people on the roster at his age, so I'm not concerned about that. But really, like, just work this like the smart way, uh, slow paced, uh, open that uh, Yoshioka show that Yuki's gonna if Yamato's gonna grapple, Yuki's gonna grapple, and I enjoy that usually more than I do for Yamato matches. Uh, Yamato's ribs were taped, which became kind of a thing throughout the match. And yeah, this was, I do not like this match as much as the Ada match at Danger Escape, but this was another incredibly strong, uh, incredibly confirming match uh, with Yuki Yoshioka at the forefront of the company. Did you like this match more than their King of Gate match? I don't think so, because I was, I think that was my match of the tournament. That yeah. was really good. That was a, the, yeah. the, the thing that Cam Gate match was really concise. I mean, that felt like a G one sprint, you know, prime G one style of match. I, I I like this a hair more than their King of Gate match, and just a tad less than Ata versus Yoshioka. I went four and a half on Ata versus Yoshioka, and I think this is this will sound dumb. This is probably the best four and a quarter star match that I've seen this year. Yeah, I was four and a quarter as well. Um, I had the Ada match at four and a half. I had the other uh, King Gate match I was looking up as we were talking at this star rating as well. This just felt like a Dragon Gate match on a Dragon Gate Big Five show. And it was just one of those things that they weren't going for 
the cute kind of match where where Yoshioka gets dominated for 90% of it, but that 10% is the 10% that counts here. This was Yoshioka going into a war with the guy who's gone into more wars than anyone else in the company, going up against the guy on the biggest stage possible, and just persevering, being able to get through it, grit his teeth, and... At, at the start where it felt like that Yamato was at the advantage on all the strike exchanges or in the grappling, towards the end, more and more, it was Yuki Oshioka being able to shrug off into like this moment that Jay and Ho brought up on commentary that I thought was really kind of both smart camera work and being and being quick on your feet when you see something like this. Jay said this line of, most people, like, well, when they like smile in a match like this, they know they have this handled. But who does this 20 minutes into a match? Yuki Oshioka is the kind of guy who 20 minutes into the match, he's like, oh, I've got you now. And I thought that was such a cool moment because right when that happened, he just stormed over Yamato and it was phenomenal. Yeah, there's two great spots in this match that I want to mention. One, Yuki Oshioka taking a page out of the Brian Cage playbook and doing that you know, standing on the middle rope while Yamato's on the apron, superplex into the ring, and they messed it up the first time. And, and Jason on commentary, and I, you know, I, I felt the same way watching on my couch. I didn't think they were going to be able to pull it off. Uh, they almost took a really nasty spill to the floor the first time they did it. But I liked that they went back to the spot because it it looked realistic enough for me to suspend my disbelief that Yamato countered it the first time, and then Yoshioka finally got it the second time around. I thought that looked great. And then right around the time that you're mentioning that smile that Jay was talking about, Yamato hits Yoshioka with three Insiguris back to back to back. And Yoshioka just bounces off the ropes, then comes back and takes his head off with a battle hook lariat. And that was just, that, that was, that was Dreamgate level stuff. That was a main eventer right there. Yeah. And that whole corner sequence with the go to hospitals and we're just like, Oh, why does he keep on doing it? And it was like, Oh, Yamato is going to do this until he kills him with fire, but that's not happening because uh, Yuki Yoshioka, apparently you beat him up for 20 minutes and he destroys you, which rules. It, really, really good stuff. What kind of champion today do you think can actually pull off the kind of matches that Yuki Yoshioka did? Because these are very unique matches. Like This is a Dreamgate run that I would say is greatly different from most people's first like solidifying rain like this is i feel like that this is completely different than the path you usually see with like a shun skywalker or benke yeah i mean he's carrying himself with so much more confidence than ben was during ben's Dreamgate run in i i think even shun's you know that was the interesting thing with shun skywalker's Dreamgate run which i thought was phenomenal i mean you look at some of these matches that shun had he's got the ben k match which everybody forgets was a great match up until ben k got knocked out the ishida match which was a top 10 match for me in 2021 the sakamoto match which was a top 10 for some people in 2021 the kakuta match which was unfortunate and then the kz match right until you know right, right before he lost to yamato those are all four, four and a quarter, four and a half, four and three quarter star matches. I went four and three quarters on Ashida versus Shun and KZ versus Shun, but it didn't feel like it was Shun Skywalker's company. You know, it, it felt like, okay, maybe the focus of Dragon in 2021 is Masquerade versus RED, but at no point did it feel like Shun was taking all of these little individual components of the of the company, putting them in a backpack and putting that on his back. Whereas Yoshioka here, from top down, it feels like Yoshioka's company right now. 
Yeah, and it's something that, like, having these kind of matches where he... This one was not the 90% 10 that Dangerous Gate was, but I would still say, like, that the, the core concepts kind of transferred over here. That, like, we're seeing a title run where this is the young champion who has put every bit of the company onto his back and saying, follow me, and he gets beat down, but gets beat down, but he has enough to kind of finish it off to like have enough energy to put them away and it's gonna be fascinating because it does not feel like that this is a title run that is going to end anytime soon like more so than like shun i i feel like that shun in 20 2020 2021 we kind of felt like all right probably not getting out of kobe world weekend benkei that was a total and utter surprise with this i it, it it seems that they're doing something different here with Yuki Yoshioka. So I'm not I, I'm not gonna have the Kai contingency like like peeking up behind me thinking, oh, are they gonna take the belt off him? Because it feels so firmly his company at this point. No, I mean they could book Yoshioka versus Jesus at final gate, and I would advocate for Yoshioka to go over. There there's no opponent that I can think of right now that if they're gonna book him versus the champion tomorrow that Yoshioka needs to lose this belt. If it's, you know, Ben K or KZ or Mochizuki at final gate, I think Yoshioka needs to retain. I mean, I, I don't, I don't see a realistic path for him to lose until we get to champion gate next year. And I, tell me if you think this is a crazy thought. I think when it comes to talking about who's going to dethrone him, we don't need to look at any of his current contenders, I think there are two names that come to mind. One is SB Kento and the other is Takuma Fujiwara. To me right now, those are the most realistic chances of guys that could beat Yoshioka for the title. Yeah, because that's such a tendency for them in this company that you go you go away for a while and you come back as a world beater. And I could very easily see that as a the, the likely events in 2023 with either uh, SBK or Takuma Fujiwara returning. That just seems like, I mean, that's what I'm in the in 2011. It wasn't straight to the Dream Gate, but he was a main eventer from day one on for on return, and it's the same thing they did with Shun Skywalker. So I, I anticipate one of them probably being the ones, and if I was going to guess, it'd probably be Kento. I'm not signing my name to this prediction just yet, but I can't rule out the idea. You know, we know SP Kento has been offered to US Indie promoters through the end of the year. J December 31st is the last available date that I saw on his calendar. We know he's going to return to Japan, or at least we think he's going to return to Japan Q1 of 2023. Dead or alive next year, SP Kento's hometown. Would it shock you if he submits Yoshioka and wins the Dreamgate belt? Only because it's him, no. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, any other circumstance, I'd say they're holding off for Kobe World, but for him in his hometown, with the way they've treated his hometown, I, I can that's, see that, that's the important thing to remember, you know, specifically when SB Kento rolls up to Nagoya, that's a that's become an event. That that has become a draw in a way that even, you know, U UT is from there, but UT doesn't have that hometown cachet that SB Kento seems to have, which they obviously Dragon leveraged from with, with, with Dragon Kid for a number of years. That's what I was going to say was, you know, they, yeah. they leveraged it with beating Dragon Kid like a drum in his hometown for a number of years. SB Kento has had mixed results, but the last two dead or alives, which have been the two dead or alives where he's not a, a literal child, you know, a rookie, 
he's been in huge featured matches, and I, I would expect the same in 2023. Absolutely. Uh, did you have any other uh, Gay Destiny thoughts before we looked at uh, Wednesday's card? It's a really good show that I think people should watch from top to bottom, skipping maybe, you know, the Ishinihashi and Yasushi Kanda match and the touch football match, but everything else is worth your time. Yeah. Three and a half hour show. It's the We're still in the first parts of November. I think that this show alone is worth the uh, network subscription, at least for this month. You know what's crazy? It was the Kobe Samba Hall show from yesterday that was on the network. This show, the upcoming Corkin show this uh, this Wednesday, and then we don't get another network broadcast until the end of the month when they're in Okinawa. Yeah, it, it, it's a weird November. Like without having Gate of Origin on, in November, it feels like that there's like there is a two and a half week period without anything on the network. Yeah, you know they they did their Kobe show already. This is their Osaka show. They're not going to return to Osaka for the rest of the year. And then no Kyoto, no Fukuoka. They were there last month. And Hokkaido's coming at the, at the beginning of December. So it'll be an interesting few weeks on the show. I don't know what we're going to do yet. Yeah, the, the, this might be, we might be pulling the overgeneration option out. We might we might take a week off. We'll see. <laughs> we might take a week off. <laughs> Over generation or a week off. Uh, l- l- let's look at this Corkin lineup. It is on the ninth. That is a six thirty local time in Tokyo. That's four thirty on the East Coast. One thirty on the West Coast. Nine thirty Greenwich Mean Time. Exhibition match. It is Punch Tomonaga versus Yoshiki Kato. Yoshiki Kato is the last member of the class of twenty twenty two. They haven't really had any future matches up lately, but a, a, a popular topic lately has been, what about Kato case? I was afraid he was never going to debut. I was more prepared for us to get the announcement that he had left the company than that he was going to have an exhibition match. So I am pumped for this. Yeah, and especially saying that if they want to get him out with a with a 22 uh, debut date, they Kind of got to find a place to debut Kato soon. Uh, the opener, though, on this show will be Natural Vibes versus Zebrats. UT, Jason Lee, Strong Machine J versus Kai Hyo and Ishin opening up the show. Great. This is this is going to be really good stuff. Uh, remind me, actually, I'll, I, if you can off the top of your head, have they done Hyo versus UT for the Brave Gate yet? They haven't. It looked like that was going to be a direction before the uh, Dragon Kid uh, storyline. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I feel like that's coming sooner rather than later, but this is going to be a match where Ishin uh, beats up UT, assaults him, and pins him, and I'm really excited for this. Yeah, no, for sure. It'll be good. Ishin now back in front of like his hometown family crowd as a heel, too. Yeah, it's going to be great. I mean, you know, we talked a lot about the August, September, and October Corkin shows all specifically had Mochizuki Jr. matches announced ahead of time, and all of those Mochizuki Jr. matches were against or with Ishinihashi. And from the people we've talked to, we've been led to believe, you know, those were drawing matches. People bought tickets to see that sort of stuff. Ishin as a heel in Tokyo is going to be very interesting to see. Again, I wish there were vocal crowds, but we'll deal with, uh, we'll deal with this. Match two is a tag match. This has a lot of Ryukyu Dragon, as there will be in Okinawa, home of Ryukyu Dragon, later on in the month, as it's Shisa Boy with Tilan Shisa versus Gurukan Mask and Tarami Saver. Whew, Jesus Christ. 
match three is the is Ultimo Ginki Horikuchi Kenichi Arai versus Konamawa Ichikawa Yosuke Samurai and Hoho Loon. Jesus Christ. Match four is the singles match that Case talked about earlier on Don Fuchi versus Mochizuki Jr. Gut check time. This is gonna be sick. I I mean I I'm really excited for this. I talked exiting Kobe World about how. I think there's an unexplored direction there with M3K versus Don Fuji and Don Fuji versus Mochizuki Jr. specifically. I'm really excited for this because I think we're going to get some sort of angle with Masaki Mochizuki getting involved because his best friend is going to be assaulting his son. And I think that's really interesting. I, I, I don't know where this match is going to go. I think it's going to be a great match and I think there's going to be a great angle that comes of it. Yeah, man. I don't like seeing Mochi Fuji fight. I really no, I would I, I would love that. I, I'm trying to think of, I mean, who would, they got to do a two versus two at some point of Masaki Mochizuki and Mochizuki Jr. versus Don Fuji. And who is my, is my question? Who would team with Fuji there? Would it be Kondo? That doesn't, historically. Fuda. Oh, Fuda's a good one. Yeah, I don't, want, I don't, I don't want to see. I don't want Mochizuki's versus the Bicycle Brothers. I could see them doing that. I don't want that. Yeah, no, we got we got a Bicycle Brothers revivals in two straight years case. I think we're good with Bicycle Brothers for a while. But I'm just trying to think of the other historic Fuji tag teams, and it's Mochi Fuji, and it's it's Fuji and Saito. Yeah, yeah, no, those are the, the only really teams you can do for that. Well, Unless they bring in Taru. I was going to say, why it's a shame Shima left. Wouldn't you like to see Fuji and Shima versus the Mochizukis? <laughs> yeah, that'd be a great thing. But, Wouldn't you know, that be great? People make decisions <laughs> and choices, Case, and if they, they... They, might be, they, they might be over six-year-old uh, choices and decisions, but you got to live with them. If they bring in Shima just to do a match four on a Cork and Hall show, and it's like a prolonged <laughs> angle to, to just give M3K some spotlights. <laughs> I, I, I am led to believe that, that that would do the exact same attendance as if Shima came in up top. <sighs> Jesus. All right. That was cold. Uh, hey. it, Mike, it's Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame season. Watch your mouth when it comes to Shima. We have bigger fish to fry. Hey, hey. I, I, I mean, talking about cold, but... uh. And being left out in the cold. Uh, match five. <laughs> oh, that's right. I is... forgot. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> match five. Yama Kid is back. Uh, the uh, two surviving members of High End, Yamato and Dragon Kid, are going against Takashi Yoshida and Problem Dragon. Is this to set up Takashi Yoshida joining High End? I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't like this. The, the, I, I'm fine with the garbage matches two and three, but I needed this to be something a little bit better. Sorry. Yeah, I look at this and I look at how the show's set up and they are banking so much in the three way that the rest of the card is super light this week. Not match six, though. No, not match six, but it is the Ita and Takuma Fujiwara. We talked about this a little bit earlier. They are teaming against Naruki Doi and Shuji Kondo. That's a lot. There's a lot to seek my teeth into. I mean, you have Aiden Fujiwara. Of course, they're clearly connected. You have Doi and Kondo. I mean, both of those guys, T2P guys. Uh, Doi was a little bit later in the class. Kondo, of course, was the original power fighter that classed him and Owashi. There's just a lot of angles, I feel like, into this little tag match. Yeah, I mean, we start the bidding at four and a half stars here. You know, Shuji Kondo, 
Shuji Kondo is going to give Takuma Fujiwara a back body drop that's going to send Fujiwara into the lights. I mean, this. They, oh my god. I mean, this is just... This is so He's going to get hair whipped, and he might not have a scalp afterwards. Uh, Fujiwara being back, even for a week, and even having to work that godforsaken Noah show, I... Oh my god, he's so good. It's just the possibilities are endless. It's just... He just makes wrestling better when he's around. Yeah, no, I am just... You're excited about him and Kondo. Fujiwara and Doi is fascinating. If you remember at the start of the year, Fujiwara was teaming a lot with Doi, and that stuff was really good. Um, there's a specific match that I'm going to try to find real quick because it was a, I think it was on a Corkin show, and it was really, really strong. Um, yeah okay this was it this was this was right when we realized that fujiwara was not of this world it was and this was this year mind you this feels like it was a million years ago it was jason lee and coach Minora against bb hulk and shun against doi and fujiwara that match was really really good that was the february Corkin show and that was about the time where my head turned and said wait who who is this man who is takuma fujiwara he seems different yeah, that was like three weeks before they started the elevation room, too. Yeah, and that was one of the last masquerade matches as well. Yeah, no, yeah, because that was the uh, Triangle Gate team that weren't on the same page. Yeah, and then there's a there's a handful of uh, Doi teaming with Fujiwara matches on house shows, and then I'm going to look on their YouTube channel real quick because I don't remember this match airing and now i'm really curious to see if it if it made tape or not um it doesn't appear that it did which is such a bummer it looks like they did some high-end bullshit that i don't care about on this show but on march 13th of this year they did a shida minora and doi versus susumu fujiwara and ishinihashi i would have really liked to have seen that match yeah no that that would have been sick to see huh all right huh a semi-main event, we mentioned this. This is D-Courage versus M2K Original. Boy, the old guys are going to get beat up some pretty boys. Yeah, I would expect some sort of angle here. I, I don't know what that's going to be. It would not surprise me if they move into a Mochizuki versus Yoshioka direction, uh, but I'm very excited to see what comes of this. Either Mochizuki, frankly, given what given Gate of Origin coming up. I could see Susumu in that slot just as well. Is that that's not Susumu's hometown, is it? No, no he's no, no. from he's from Yokosuka. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> Dumb question. <laughs> well, I just I think with the Kai match this year, I don't think they're going to go back to Susumu. Yeah, because that's that, a good that point. felt that felt very final, at least for the time being. But Masaki Mochizuki, that I could see that being the direction they go, which I'm all about. No, absolutely. So, and then we have the announced three way six man tag, but now we have the full teams. We always knew it was going to be all three of Gold Class, Kodama and Ora. Benkei and Minorita, but they'll be facing off against Natural Vibes members KZ, Big Boss, Shimizu, and Jackie Funky Kamei versus the Z Bratz members of Shun Skywalker, BB Hulk, and Hyo. I knew that as soon as Hyo came, as soon as Shun came back, we're getting overdrive with the this unit battlefield storyline. Yeah, I expect this to be a vehicle for Shun to do some manipulative bullshit. I'm really excited about it, and I can't wait to see where Z Bratz versus Natural Vibes goes from here. Yeah, and I like, and I know that with the 
current like setup of Zebrats, this is the group that makes sense. I would have loved though the idea that you have Jackie Funky Kame for Natural Vibes, Minerita for uh, Gold Class, and then also Ishin for Zebrats. I thought that would have be been really... good. Yeah, that would yeah, have been good. Uh, well, th- because they didn't announce the participants, I kind of assumed Ishin was going to be in this match, and I was surprised to see him in the open or not the main event. Yeah, and Diamante getting the night off. Oh, you're right. I don't like. Oh, damn it! I don't like that. Good for him, though. Get that night off. Huh. Okay. That's something to make a note of. We don't like that, but good for you. No, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. (laughs) (laughs) It just was something that I was like... Really good wrestler to watch. (laughs) Yeah, it was something that like when I was like... When I just saw this lineup, I was like, all right, then you have three Z-Brats in the opener, three and the main event. Where is Diamante? Man, not here. Oh, he has to be in one of these two matches because Hio's listed twice. Hio's double booked, so Diamante's on this. Oh, true. Okay. Yeah, yeah, because... Well, ooh, which one? I hope hope he's in the main event because Shun and Diamante in that main event's pretty exciting. Yeah, and I think... Let me see if I can find that on the the Japanese site real quick. Yeah, check Kaior real quick because now that I've noticed this, this will... I, I will fixate on this, too. Do they have the full card uh, not, on not there. Let me check the Spora blog real quick because they should have that updated at this point. Uh, Diamante's in the main event. It is uh, Shun, Hulk, and Diamante. All right. That makes a lot more sense now. That's good. That's that Diamante being in that main event takes it up a level. Yeah. So that's... Yeah, no, that's actually perfect there with the uh, nine guys involved there. We can see Minerita use him as a bu- as a jungle gem. Yeah, it's going to be great. I, I am now I'm now very into that match. Yo, yo would have been good there, but Diamante is a level up to say the least. No, yeah, I'm totally with you on that. Well, case, uh, did you have anything else you wanted to touch on before we go for this week? I did not. I we will be back on Thursday of this week. Thursday, Friday Thursday, morning. Yeah. All right, we'll be talking about that Cork and Hall show. Yep. Well, thank you all for listening. If you like to support the show, go to Twitter at Open Voice Gate. Case was posting from there live from the show last night, and we always try to make sure that that has a lot of interesting Dragon Gate related news and tweets. So you can also follow us, uh, cases at underscore in your case. I'm at Fujiheya. Thanks for listening to Open the Voice Gate. We'll be back with you on Thursday talking about this Corkin show. Take care. Hello, Voices of Wrestling listener. Dave Ryan here. Have you ever wondered to yourself, how many hidden gems are hidden away inside the last years of World Championship Wrestling? Have you ever asked yourself how many tenuous gags can be made about the name Mike Enos? And have you ever thought about what it sounds like for two Irishmen to interpret a very chaotic company through its B-show? The answers to all this and more are just a click away. Check out Days of Thunder every second Thursday on the Voices of Wrestling podcast network.